but knowing when to put your foot on the gas pedal and when to take it off is, is a critical component of parenting. Education is caught between the 18th century notion of the three R's and the 21st century explosion of technology, politics, and the need to prepare our kids for the ever-evolving global economy. We know parents and educators all want the same outcome for kids, happy, healthy, and independent young people, but how do we get there and what are the obstacles and pitfalls we face along the way? Join us as we ask the question, what's, what's best, best for kids? kids? How you doing, Don? Good, Rob. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. A little I under wish. the weather today. Struggling a little bit, but, you know, not too bad. Struggle bus. It's that uh, that time of year. Where everybody's... I, I have a friend... Is it? Do we get sued if we say the Sharp uh, Hospital holo, uh, Christmas holiday party had an outbreak of COVID? Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, I mean, so, that's not surprising. It's a hospital. <laughs> Last time I checked, there are sick people there. <laughs> but not at the uh, Handlery Hotel or wherever it was held. Well, that's, I guess, good to know. Thanks for sharing, question mark. <laughs> I'm so scared of just going out anymore. Anything that's got enclosed, even the gym I work out at is outdoor. Oh, really? What gym is yeah. that? The, oh, the, can I give a plug to the Ryan Family Y on Point Loma? It's a local YMCA. We love the Y. Well, you just gave them a plug, so. Well, there it is. I asked permission first, though. You did, yeah. Now, I didn't now give permission, a... but. Yeah, we're here today okay. to talk about the pressure our students are feeling. And, it, you know, you mentioned people getting sick this time of year, and it's because we've been pushing so hard, grinding since, at least in my school, since August. Uh, but for a lot of these kids, they've been grinding since kindergarten. And now suddenly yeah. it's a uh, college application season. In fact, we're in the middle of early acceptance season, which has just become acceptance season. I don't know if anybody well, waits till the spring anymore. I thought early acceptance was like, February, March, and regular you'd, acceptance was April, May. You'd think that, right? But we're getting that stuff already. But yeah, they're they're grinding through that right now, waiting for those responses. All the applications are in. Our poor teachers have finally finished a thousand letters of letters rec. Of rec. Uh, and we're still trying to navigate how I can get them time to do all that. Uh, it, it's crazy. And it, it's just a reminder of the immense pressure are, and I want to just say our students, our families are under with college acceptance. I mean, let, let's face it. We've got families that are going to jail over this, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and at the kindergarten end, I'm, you know, there's the whole got to get the kid into this program, you know, the soccer program or this peninsula softball or baseball program. By the time they're five or you've missed the boat and they'll never have another opportunity. Oh, yeah. They'll never play soccer again or enjoy it on any level. <laughs> because unless they're going to be in an ODP program, uh, what's the point? Travel league. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, your kid's not in travel? <gasps> wow. Well, this, you know, and I remember even around grades and homework as a teacher that the 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 pressure the kid the parents 
there is a there is a triangle or there are multiple corners of a uh, quadrilateral. I'll say. say if there's more than three, it's no longer a triangle. I didn't teach math, <laughs> but I know that. <laughs> I added the fourth corner just in case. That's the quadrilateral. The fourth corner. Quadrilateral of a part. Uh, well, the the kid, the parent, the teachers, and maybe call it the community. I don't know, but but that there's this continuing forever ratcheting up of the expectations, the fears, it all ratchets everybody up. The parents are concerned that the teacher doesn't think the kid's doing right or that their kid's not reflecting on them. The, the, the teacher's worried the parent doesn't think they're doing enough on behalf of the kids. You know, uh, the administrators of factor and the, you know, it, it, that fear and anxiety ratchets everything up without an application process, just with a normal day-to-day, what are we learning thing. Yeah, that's um, true. It, 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 heaven forbid we just focused on the learning, even that piece would be stressful. Then you correct. add to it the fact that Stanford's got a 3% acceptance rate, uh, and that... The, the, and and the, of that 3%, there's 300 of the 900 slots that are international students. Yeah, so yeah. if you live in America, you're working for 600 out of the 900 you know, options. Yeah. And I, when we were reading some of the articles to prep for this episode, uh, I read something I didn't realize that at the, the climax of uh, High School Musical 2, the big goal at the end of that is that the lead character gets into Stanford. Did he make it? Uh, yes, of course. It's a Disney movie. Oh, what a surprise! So, yeah, and that's shocking. Wait, um, but it, it when I, you know, I when this came out, I remember my neighbors coming over. We saw them outside, and they were like, "Hey, are you gonna watch High School Musical three tonight?" And we're like, "We were like, what now?" Um, didn't have any idea about it, and it was like they were waiting for this movie to come out. So I, I, I started putting that together. Like that's the big release when your kids are little. And the message that was sent at the end of that was getting into Stanford is the ultimate goal, even in a Disney movie. That's crazy to me. Absolutely <laughs> crazy to me. Uh, uh, what was Herbie the Love Bug? What was the Disney movie we saw in the seventies? It was Herbie the Love. The Herbie the Love Bug. We had um, uh, what was the uh, and the, Pete's the Dragon? One. Pete's Dragon. Pete. Yeah. What was the one where the guy had uh, not Freaky Friday, but the the we scientist. had that too. The there was a science. There is a, oh, I, I, if it, a, a a kid, not the nutty professor, <laughs> but a kid uh, drank a formula. Uh, now I've got to get on Google and find out. Yeah, or try ginkgo biloba something for memory. Because <laughs> everybody loves the story. What's that movie about that guy? I don't re the remember. Thing. He did the thing, and I don't know his name or stuff. what year it was or anything he did, but it was really influential on me. <laughs> and it's a great analogy to use right now, if only I could think of it. <laughs> We're not talking enough about the art topic. You're just picking on me. That's not fair. Well, yeah, that's part of the shtick, right? I hope I hope we're all. I hope all of our listeners and hello to the listeners out there. We hope you're enjoying Rob picking on me. Yes, thanks for coming back. We had a little break there, and uh, the numbers are back up uh, with the last episode we had out. So it's great to have everybody back. Great to be back in contact with our listeners. And we were rested and returned with vigor. I, that last episode was good. We went over. We were 
more than an hour. You got extra. Yeah, we had a little uh, little extra banter in that one, which we're now uh, devolving into <laughs> right now. Talking about a grim subject like the uh, college pressure our, our kids feel. And as a matter of fact, uh, those of you who are in education know the term at risk. And But I'm not sure how many people are aware right now that uh, affluent students are now considered at risk because of the incredible pressure that they have been under over the last few years. They've been included in at-risk demographics. So now every kid is at risk. So they even got rid of the, ter uh, the term. Uh, in California, we're calling them at-promise instead of at-risk because <laughs> we've just decided everybody's at risk. I've been to an at-promise conference, an educational oh, really? At, yes, there was a there's an at Province California educational conference. How was um, it? But I, I taught at an at risk uh, continuation school, and you really do see that um, every kid is at risk because every kid is a teenager, and being a teenager is risky. It's difficult. Yeah. It's challenging. And 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 parents and and this is part of what we're going to talk about today is uh, that. Uh, Miss, I can't remember Mrs. Wallace's first name, but uh, she wrote that book, Never Enough, and she uh, really goes into the factors and the, uh, the change that's happened around parenting and around culture and around the United States. Uh, but, but she also speaks to resilience and that, uh, that central factor of kids feeling like they matter, that that's the that that's the buoy that lifts them up. It's the resilience. It's the 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 uh, uh, the factor that gives them grit. And that mattering is about their own personal belief and their parents' investment in them as people, rather than as achievements. And also their contribution to their life around them, whether that's through the church or through the community or Boy Scouts or however it is that they're getting a sense of purpose outside of just achieving, where they're serving food or building things or you know, babysitting, do walking dogs, I don't know, whatever they're doing that can contribute, um, that how's, how, how important that is, yeah. especially for kids that are doing a lot of APs, doing a lot of high-level sports. They still need a place, whether it's two, four, five hours a week, where they're participating in something where they're not the center and instead they're contributing to somebody and serving. Yeah, and if you're interested, the, what we're going to talk a lot about today in the episode is, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Jennifer Brahenny Wallace. I hope I'm saying the second name right. I'm not sure. Um, but the book is called uh, Never Enough, When Achievement Culture Becomes Toxic and What We Can Do About It. And she does a really nice job in the book. We highly recommend it, uh, breaking this down, getting to the specifics, because she's just like us. She's talking from her own experience. She looked around one day and said, why do my kids seem to be in such a different mood than I am? And uh, here we go. In Gene Twenge's book, Generations. <laughs> How many minutes is it? Ten? <clears throat> Is it, that even took us. To that took us about twelve minutes to get to my first Gene, Gene Twangy <laughs> reference, uh, but you know there is a gener generational difference, and that generational difference is based on economics. Uh, I remember talking to my dad about it when I was in college, and I was fortunate enough to go to NYU, and it was expensive. And I, you mm -hmm. know, looked at him and said, "Hey, can we do this?" And he goes, "Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure something out." But my dad had gone to uh, Berkeley and Stanford. 
And mm-hmm. he, he had said, yeah, but it wasn't Berkeley and Stanford when, you know, he was doing it in the 50s. And what? it was a different economic climate. There was different pressures. And now with the narrowing of the acceptance, the different economic uh, pressures, it's much more expensive to live now, that keeps ratcheting up this pressure we're putting on everybody. Our parents, as parents, we feel it. We yep. then put that on the kids. The kids feel it. Then we sit around the dinner table. We don't talk about it. We talk about your homework and we talk about what assignments you've got coming up and you've got to do all these things to make sure your transcript is great. Yeah, and the test and all of that. Or as we've talked about before, you know, the the AP exam that's coming up in May. So we're going to spend 10 months stressing out about one exam uh, we're going to take. And that's going to save us money down the line. It's all driven by these economics and these different pressures we've put on ourselves, each other, etc. And we're not really talking about it so much. It just, it feels like the right thing to do to make sure our kids go to college. And it probably Mm -hmm. is, but it isn't for everybody. I'm going to go ahead and say that out loud. College isn't the right spot for everybody. It's the right spot for most. It's a good thing to do. I'm not taking anything away from going to college, but we know we've got an economic structure right now where college is incredibly expensive. Kids are leaving school with a lot of debt and not sure what to do afterwards. And we've got a blue collar industry that's paying more than ever before and can't find anybody to do the jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, Captain just, Sunshine you, over you here just, just, you know. <laughs> well, you also just loaded the table with a lot of topics. And and, um, and I want to get to all of them. But first, I found, it was 1975, The Strongest Man in the World. It was actually Kurt Russell's first movie. I don't know if you remember it. That was the chemistry Strongest Man in the World. Not a very good movie, but it was a Kurt Russell as a teenager. I, I have a vague uh, uh, memory of that one, and that, that is not something I ever thought I'd think about again. So thank you for uh, accessing that <laughs> deep part of my brain. An old Kurt well, Russell said, movie. I, I, unlike The Boy in the Plastic Bubble that you think about all the time. All the time. The John, Tri- John that, Travolta vehicle. Well, I mean, come on. We just went through COVID. That's all we talked about was The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. We were all The Boy in the Plastic <laughs> Bubble briefly. Or so, Seinfeld called him The Bubble Boy. <laughs> The 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 uh, the issue I think that's central um, is the cost to college, which has easily quadrupled since we were in school. I think there's only healthcare has outstripped uh, education as far as cost uh, percentage increase. Um, but beyond that, it's it's going to college and developing emotionally, developing maturity, responsibility, what have yes. you, which are all essential element aspects of of, of of our development that we want for young people. But it's not having a clear uh, path forward at when they get out. You know, it's one thing if you study and train to be, I don't know, an, uh, uh, an anthropologist that uh, or an archaeologist that's actually in um internships and doing the digging and and on a, a path and i pick something even as you know strange or peculiar as archaeology but there may be a pathway forward as opposed to something like photography which is important valuable worthwhile and just because people have a, a, a camera on their phone doesn't mean they're phot- photographers yeah but you know there there's so much about the business aspect there's so much about um uh, uh elements beyond uh simply uh, magazine editorial 
kind of that world that unless you're really still in the real world as opposed to the educational world i mean that fine art aspect is awesome but you know the the intersection of how does where's the commerce or where is the profession or is this just an advocation right? well and, i i think i'm sorry to jump in but i i think you're hitting no. on it a little bit in that uh one of the challenges or the challenging conversations I have frequently with, with parents, I've had it with my own kids uh, and friends, is that the misunderstanding that college is somehow just a trade school. You know, you mm -hmm. hear this complaint all the time. Well, my kid majored in something and he's not ever going to use it or there's no jobs in that. Like, why would you major in history? There's right. no jobs in history. And that misunderstands mm -hmm. college completely. If you want to go to a trade school, go to a trade school. To be honest, I went to a trade school. It was film school at NYU. So I went there right. to learn a specific skill and trade. And yes, I took as many English and social science classes as I could to, to round out my education. But I knew it was a trade school trying to get me into the industry. But my son, who's majoring in journalism, may or may not be a journalist. That isn't the goal necessarily. He's going to explore that idea. But mm -hmm. uh, to your point, going to college, if we can break this connection to the economics that if you major in something then it leads to a specific job in that uh we can a make our kids happier while they're in college because they're there for the the education the socialization the experience of it and we don't set them up for disappointment uh mm -hmm. f that they couldn't find a job in that like my uh Niece's boyfriend right now majored in philosophy. Ironically, we just talked about Stanford, but at Stanford. And it's like, you mm -hmm. know, all those philosophy jobs out there, right? What is he doing? He's developing an app. Uh, but he's using his philosophy skills to drive that. It's what we talk mm -hmm. about at, at, at Tory Pines all the time in our CTE pathways about transferable skills. Stop thinking of it as you just learn how to change the oil in your car if you take the auto shop class. That's not necessarily mm -hmm. what it's about. The concepts involved in, you know, uh, the combustion engine will help you in other areas. And if we can think of it that way, I think we can break some of this. We're just doing all of this to grind through and get a good salary. Mm -hmm. Well, and that leads to, I want people, you know, I want my kid to be an engineer. I want my kid to be a computer scientist because those are the high paying jobs that right. are the 21st century uh, a path forward so that there's not the economic insecurity I may have experienced, you know? Um, and I went to a liberal arts school. There was not an engineering college. There was math, I mean, and physics today they have computer science programs, but there was not even a computer science major available yeah. when I was there back when I was there. I, I and I, 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 um, oh, I think that Part of this discussion is included in that awesome article we read uh, that you that you highlighted called "What We Lose When We Push Kids to Achieve," yeah. which came out May 15, twenty twenty three, which came out in relationship to kids graduating from college, and it's by Adam Gopnik, who is a New York uh, New Yorker author. The guy, I mean, he's a you know New Yorker pieces are amazing, but he talks in this article about the difference between achievement and accomplishment. And he talks a lot about, he leads the article off talking about being a bad guitar player at 14, but wanting to decode the Beatles songs and how many hours he spent and the achievement he felt when he was able to play even the simplest song that, that, that stayed with him for weeks afterward and also encouraged him to continue to play 
and how 50 years later he still thinks back to that time and that sense of accomplishment and joy of being persistent in a difficult puzzle to unsolve, whether that's, you know, like my mom was talking about her eighth grade graduation and the eighth grade graduation, uh, one promotion. of her classes it's was a promotion, not a graduation. Promotion. Okay. I'm sorry, promotion. The prom well, back then it was a graduation, but Point they, uh, she had a home ec class and the, the capstone project of the home ec class was you sewed your graduation dress or your, she called mm -hmm. it a graduation dress. So, you know, and she, she lit up and she's 90. This was 80 years ago. She's or 77 years ago. She lights up just talking about yeah. the sense of pride and accomplishment. She felt that real world application has always been the key to keeping kids interested in whatever you're doing. I mean, there's nothing worse than an algebra teacher trying to go to the board with X's and A's and B's and Y's and the kids saying, when am I ever going to use this? This, what does this have to do with anything? So, um, well, you're, but you're to get go ahead. Well, I, I, what, to bring it back, there's the level the achievement, which is about this external demand or external uh, prize, the AP test or whatever, that often just leads to the next achievement. I got this GMAT score now or, or my MCAT score and now I go to med school and then I get this internship and those achievements move you in a direction different from the accomplishments, which our culture doesn't value the same way. Right, I agree. It, it, if we could actually see, even though I'm not a huge fan of standardized tests, as we all know, but if we saw them as an accomplishment, that would mm -hmm. be helpful, but we don't. We see them as achievement. Uh, external if, imposition yes, that if, is never going to be the same as that internal desired uh, intrinsic motivation. And if we really think about it, at least I, I, as usual, we can speak for our generation because we are a part of it and experienced it. But I have found that when I look around at my friends, a lot of what we have ended up doing in our lives were things that were play when we were kids. And mm -hmm. because we're so focused on achievement versus accomplishment, uh, I mean, I joked about it at the beginning, like, oh, wait, your, your kids didn't do this, so they're not going to be on the, the travel uh, soccer mm -hmm. team, so they're doomed. Better find some other thing that is their thing. Um, right. But we haven't allowed our kids to just sort of have free play and experience that and see and, and boredom because from day one, as you're experiencing right now with two five-year-olds, uh, um, that it starts super early building that transcript and the stress you're feeling already that if they're not in the right track, they're going to miss a, a particular stop mm -hmm. along the way uh, or checkbox that they're supposed to hit and then they're not going to be ready. And so that stress gets put on them. You feel it, everybody feels it, and they're not free to explore the same way they were to find out what they're really good at and feel that sense of accomplishment. I've talked mm -hmm. to parents about this all the time, the silly little thing like, when you guys make breakfast on the weekends, who does it all? And one of the parents will talk about that. I go, have you ever considered having you know, your, your five-year-old make the toast? I'm like, oh, no, 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 I don't want them to hurt themselves. I'm like, okay. But or make a mess. Yeah. They'll, it takes too much time. And they never f experience that sense of accomplishment that they did something right. and they contributed to the collective of that meal. So when they mm -hmm. don't get that little piece, then we wonder why they don't have resilience later because we spent and all of this time focused on the achievement of it. It needs to be clean. Breakfast needs to be look good. The toast has to be uh, toasted perfectly. And a five-year-old can't quite possibly do that. Let the toast be messy. <laughs> Let the counter mm -hmm. be messy and then teach the kid how to clean the counter, you know, like, right. And, and that's where I think, 
I've run into a lot, like every time I have a, a grade challenge issue uh, on campus, and I've got one going right now, it is about they can't have these grades because they won't get into college. So you have to look back at these grades and change the grade. I'm like, I understand where you're coming from, but that's not how it works. That's not what grades are for. And you're ultimately robbing the kid of that sense of accomplishment. They got a C on a paper. The next one, they got to work harder and they get an A. Now they've got accomplishment. If they go in and their parent fights me and gets an attorney and says, well, no, we have to have an A or we're never going to get into a good college. The kid doesn't learn anything from that. Other than, than get an attorney if you don't get what you and, want. And and when they have that, fine, you know, when there is that uh, B, C, fail, whatever, they're really up against it because they've never had, they've had all those obstacles removed until, uh, unless you're going to have the kid would live with you and die before you, that you're forever perpetually going to be running a roadblock down every single step of this kid's life. Yeah. But even, you know, and these are the kids that really struggle emotionally. They're just not able to handle life as a 30, 40, 50 year old. And that's what's in Wallace's book that she talks about. So when she talks about this mattering idea, it's this critical component that your students, your students, well, it's true, your students, your kids uh, matter Mm -hmm. to you and not their achievement. Yes, not their achievement matters to you, but as people, their interests. Um. When I talk to parents about, you know, when you get in the, uh, this book was very validating because it's stuff we had been talking about a long time and I do in my mm-hmm. tours and I do in a freshman orientation at the beginning of the year about when you get into the car with your kid at the end of the day, don't ask them, A, how their day was, because they will say mm-hmm. fine, uh, d- and don't ask them what their homework is and don't mm-hmm. ask them how they did on something. Don't talk about school. Ask mm-hmm. them what their favorite song is. Ask them who they hung mm-hmm. out with at lunch. Um, mm-hmm. Ask them, like, I mean, you do it all the time. What's your high, low, bet you yeah. didn't know? Like that kind of thing. Like have a conversation with them about other stuff because they just spent seven hours with teachers pushing them and their, mm-hmm. their friends pushing them or competing for something. Don't talk about that stuff. Make sure that they matter to you in another way. And then now you're talking about the intrinsic motivation. Now they're going to come to you and be more motivated because they feel that they matter to the two most important people or the one most important person in their life, and that's their parents. Mm-hmm. And she does a really uh, great job of articulating it, I think, in the in the book. And there's another concept we'll talk about a little later, but I, I, I know I've been dominating this one a little bit. I'm a little fired up. No, I, I, it's good. And, I, and I, uh, I, it, what I find that's interesting is I do generally ask, uh, the first question I ask is who they sat with at lunch. I mean, yeah. that is my go-to question. Yeah. Because it, they'll start with the lunch and then they'll inevitably say what they did at reading or math or what other thing happened on the playground or what have you or who was at the, the, the principal's office. And, um, but, but they are the ones to, to lead that. Uh, and they do. I mean, because they they, when they know that you're listening, they want to talk to you. Right. When, when you, especially about something that they relate to a little bit more because there are, you know, many kids uh, that really do love school and love the academic part of that. And if that's what they mm-hmm. really want to talk about, if that what matters to them that moment, then by all means. I'm not saying, you know, you can't ever talk mm-hmm. about school, uh, but many kids don't. 
and many kids won't like school if that's all they think about because it's just too much of anything. You know, I, I you love know, ice cream, but if that's all I ate, I, you'd be sick in a day, you know, like you can't do the one thing over and over and over again and expect people to enjoy it. I mean, we see burnout in kids, athletes, you know, any profession, too much of, mm -hmm. of any one thing is not healthy. Yeah, especially even in the surf and skate world, I saw kids that worked super hard to get sponsors at 13, 14, 15. But by the time they were 16, they'd even quit doing it because they said it took all the fun out of it. You know, the expectation yeah. that they were going to have this new trick or get this thing on film um, eventually became just a drag. And it was antithetical to the whole idea of skating and uh, surfing, unless they wanted to turn pro or, you know, t t some people are built that way. You know, and they want to have the cameras on, and they want to perform, and they want the ads, and they. And and I um, think that's a Im really important piece to emphasize is, uh, and again, uh, Jennifer talks about it in the book, celebrating others, uh, and their success rather than seeing somebody else's success as a roadblock to us, or now I've lost an opportunity because that mm -hmm. could have been me. We do do too much of that, I think. Uh, we've got to be careful about sort of giving into the judgment of the community. I think if we're all really honest with each other, we, we worry about our Facebook post for a senior year and what we're mm -hmm. going to put out there when the kids get into college and buying the gear. I've talked about this multiple times, even in my tours, mm -hmm. I, I, I hit parents on this and say, we've got to be very careful. Who is this about? Is this about our Facebook post, our Instagram post, mm -hmm. or is this about, the kids going to a college or doing whatever they need to do after school that makes them, as you've said, happy, healthy, and independent. Uh, we have to have this reflection moment uh, because it is breaking our kids. We know the stress is through the roof. Uh, yes, we've talked about social media and phones and all that contributing to uh, depression and anxiety and all that, but we know this is a major component to it. When you, I, I've had so many kids come to me. I, 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 it, it breaks my heart every single time. I say, Mr. Coble, can you please talk to my parents and ask them to take their foot off the gas pedal? Like mm. they don't know how to say it to their parents. And mm -hmm. they have this trusted adult on campus where we emphasize this at Tory, and we're fortunate that 90% of our kids feel there's a trusted adult they can go to, which is a huge protective factor. And our APs and counselors deal with this all the time. And they, they beg us, can you please tell them that, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to take six AP classes. This isn't my thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do. We have that conversation. doesn't always land well, you know. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't always fall on friendly ears, but it's our responsibility as educators to have this conversation to protect our kids. And I think that the, the hardest thing about those conversations is that the parent is motivated out of love, although it uh, is, it, it, you know, that it's also pressured or, or driven by anxiety and fear um, about, you know, am I doing enough to get my kid prepared for the future and the economic insecurity and what have you that they're going to face? Yeah. That as an adult, I know, and as a kid, they don't because that, you know, hopefully they haven't been exposed to um, the, the, you know, the harsh difficulty of economics, this is, you know, but, but I knew kids that did. And, and in fact, those, I had a gal that was 16, had two jobs, paid for a car, paid for a vacation. She paid for everything. And, um, 
and she's resilient and gritty and has a master's degree and is working with the county up in Marin and is doing amazing things um, and is able to handle adversity in life well because she's taking care of herself, you know, uh, and 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 I know and we want to protect our kids. And at the same time, you know, in my math classes and in my I, I made a point to not do for a kid what they could do for themselves. And yeah, the first yeah. thing every math teacher learns is when you go to sit down to help a kid do math, you know what if you know what they do first? If you're the if you're the kid and you ask me to do math, you know what the kid does usually? Look at you. Hand me the pencil. <laughs> they are so quick yeah. to hand over the pencil. And unless you're conscious of it, you're quick to take it because we always yeah. take things that are handed to us. And it's the greatest disservice we can do to a kid is to take the pencil out of their hand. Yeah, I worked, with a, teacher. I worked with a teacher a couple of years ago and doing the observation and well-meaning, good teacher would mm -hmm. ask a question, which is what you do in class, right? You know, what is two plus two? Four. Right. Okay, right. And we go like before the kids could even have a chance to right. respond was feeling like, okay, well, I'm not getting a lot of hands up, so I'll just keep this moving and answer the question. So the kids got trained really quickly to not answer anything because they knew this teacher right. would fill in the blank for them. And so right. I had to talk to him about that. I said, you're really going to have to focus on wait time. So when I come back, I want, I want to see you do it. It's going to feel awkward and painful, uh, but I mm -hmm. want you to do it. I want you to wait until you actually get a response and do it from different points in the room. So it's not always you at the front. And it, it worked. It was awkward and painful and it was tricky, but you know, it, it ultimately worked and, and got a better rhythm in the class. And of course the teacher enjoyed it more too, because now there's right. that interaction with the student. The student also had a, a sense of accomplishment because mm -hmm. I talk to teachers about that all the time is, you know, when you, uh, when you just put a question out there and you, uh, just wait for somebody to raise their hand, the Hermione Granger is going to raise her hand and answer the question. And the Ron Weasleys will never answer because they know Hermione will. So mm -hmm. you've got to find, and you got to know your kids and then call on the Rob Copos of the world who struggled with math. When you've got a question, you know, they can answer and give them mm -hmm. that low hanging fruit and that sense of accomplishment because that's going to force the Rob Copos of the world to lean into that next question because I got one right. Whereas mm -hmm. typically I felt like I was getting one wrong and I know I'm not as smart as Hermione up there. So I'm just going to stay quiet in the back. And uh, it goes right to what Jennifer uh, uh, Wallace is Wallace. saying in, in this book about that, uh, that mattering to the teacher. The teacher knows enough about me to ask the question that they know I'm struggling with mm -hmm. or that I can answer and didn't give me the really hard one and, and differentiated the instruction that way. And in those subtle little changes make a world of difference in mm -hmm. the learning for a student. Yeah. And using a name. So yes. I think <laughs> yes. I have the quote. I okay. wrote down the quote and I have the quote that I want the parents listening to think about. Carl Jung uh, famed one of the three Viennese psych, uh, fathers of uh, modern-day psychiatry. Yes. Carl Jung said, the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. Mm. The greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. And I think as a parent, um, 
these unrealized dreams, these unrealized goals, the undeveloped personal qualities uh, that were not expressed or not developed, they really can be an unbelievable burden on our kids. And that also may be aspects about our own character or um, aspects about our personalities that we're unwilling to address. Maybe our anxieties or you know, but whatever it is that we're bringing to the dynamic and it's all unconscious, you know, mm-hmm. this is the part that's really important is there's so much unconscious happening. And for anybody that uh, got married at, in their early 20s um, to somebody that acted just like their mother, but they didn't realize it until they turned 40. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's, some, there's some of us. Out Who were there. we talking about, Don? <laughs> Uh, Make yourself comfortable on the couch. It's a 50-minute hour. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it just is really, really important. And and it's hard because it's unconscious. You know, it's hard because we don't generally think to ourselves, what is this unrealized, you know, what are these unrealized aspects of myself that I am trying to realize through my kids? Yeah. Or or because I'm not if I if I can't shine a light to look at it, it's gonna stay unconscious. But to bring things to consciousness is a sacrifice, it's a challenge, it's it's a it's a it's a change to the worldview, which can often be difficult, you know. Yeah, and it is one of the most difficult things for us to do is to let go a little bit and let our kids uh, find their way. It's one of mm-hmm. the most valuable things we can do, but it is really difficult. I mean, I don't want my kids to burn their hand in the toaster. You know, nobody mm-hmm. wants that. And uh, so it, it's natural for us to want to protect them, want to set them up for success. And as we've talked about before, I think especially with Gen X, make up for the latchkey upbringing we had, where mm-hmm. our 70s parents were, mine were rarely home, and they were either working or someplace else. And I was on my own. I mean, my mom stopped doing, I mean, this is not so big sob story, but I started doing my own laundry or my own lunches at eight, laundry at 10. And dinner was pretty much on my own from about eight when my parents split. So I got used to all these things and it made me fiercely independent later. Like I had zero problem by the time I got to college, just taking care of things. Right. But uh, it came at a cost, you know, for sure. And then I overcompensated as a parent later. So I made Mm -hmm. sure that everything was handled for the kids and, and it was difficult to stop doing my son's laundry in high school. And I'm like, you, mm. you've got to knock this off. You're not setting them up for success at all. And that's, that's that, you know, I said the subconscious habit that we're getting into and we just do because it was super into service love. So that was the way I showed my love to my kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw it, you know, very quickly not setting them up for success. So then I had to pull back and the kids looked at me like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> like, right. Why did dad stop doing all this stuff? Does he not care for me anymore? So I had to find other ways to make them matter to me. And I, and I, I, I like to think I've done a pretty good job of that. So it's, you know, we'll go for a jog or, you know, play golf or, you know, do other things, uh, that we're having this shared experience together that we, uh, shared interests rather than mm-hmm. look, I made blueberry muffins for you. You love me more now, right? You know, got out of that world. <laughs> and what do you know? We're, we're closer for it because I'm not just, you know, a butler basically Benson or Mr. What was his name? Mr. French. Oh, if I get to pick it's Benson. I mean, Benson was (laughs) awesome, 
but Mr. French <laughs> was Mr. French was awesome. He well, he was, but he was you know he's big teddy bear, adorable, but you know Benson was a little more uh, awesome and uh, sardonic. Like, yeah, in your face. Yeah, Benson was great. <laughs> Shows about butlers. It's, you can't see that anymore. Um, but uh, I don't want. Um, I want to get back to some more of the specifics of the college pressure that we see, especially at a school like Tory, that you experience as well. But I want to be clear that when it comes to mattering, I don't think uh, um, Wallace is referencing self-esteem. We want to be really clear that a kid mattering to you doesn't isn't just, hey, you're awesome, you're great. You no, know, we're not right. just blowing sunshine no, no. at the kid and giving them self-esteem. It's about truly letting them know they matter without having to say, you matter to me. Mm -hmm. It's about the actions, well, not time. so much the words. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 it's attention, you know, and attention requires time. And that time may be, you know, and I know I was actually having a conversation with a parent out here in Point Loma uh, during pickup. And I mentioned that I retired from Torrey Pines and she said, oh, that's a great school. There uh, really, it must have been very different there. And, and I said, well, there's uh, just as we started a, and the conversation at the beginning of this, there there is a cost to everything. And what I mean by that is there is there are a lot of wealthy people there, but they're also busting their tail working uh, as as regional sales director for the western region of of America. So they're flying to Nevada and they're flying up to Washington and they're you know, or they're locally uh, they're the Southern California regional bank person where they're constantly on the road and as a result they're not at home and that's difficult at the same time people have to figure out you know what uh there there the situation about attention and um and time it can be facetime calls it can yeah, be yeah. you know like when when anthony was doing his master's program we FaceTimed, you know, I would ha FaceTime with the boys before they went to bed. Is it the same as tucking them in in person? No. But if he's gone two nights a week and he needs to finish his program, it still is something. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a significant something, you know, for them to make videos and to know that they're connected that way and see him in the morning. So, I, it, but it's when I'm so engrossed in my thing that I, I, I'm not making the time for the kids. Or, you know, or, 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 or that I'm only seeing it. I'm only calling to ask about the grade. I'm only calling to find out or when the grade, the report card comes, then I give a phone call and start hammering about the B or the, you know, or whatever. Right. It's the uh, classic story, you know, five A's and a B and, you know, the parents focused on the B and we're not mm -hmm. looking at the five A's. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's demoralizing, very difficult for a kid. And in these days, because of the pressure that's turned into, okay, well now I have to call the principal to find out cause this can't happen. Um, mm -hmm. we've, we've derailed everything we've, uh, we've been planning for. And now my kid won't be successful because this B is going to keep him out of college, which keeps him from getting a good job, which, you know, and then the head just explodes. But I think, I think there may be people listening that may be thinking you're exaggerating that there can't possibly be parents or there can't possibly be a school where people think like this. Oh, no, I, I disagree with you. I think uh, I think the people listening know exactly what I'm talking about because they're friends with them. You know, they they see it on next door. They see it on Facebook. They they hear it in conversations. We all know this conversation's happening. We all know we're doing this. I think it's hard for us to push back on it. 
when our when our friend is upset about you know it happened in my own family with with me and my ex-wife and we would talk about that college pressure and we it was all well-meaning but mm-hmm. it ultimately became this script that you had to follow all of these steps to do certain things and i think we we all know somebody like that we've had these conversations i don't think they would be surprised at all uh, actually about that this is happening well, every single day at read readers if or listeners you're not They're, readers it's a podcast don yeah <laughs> okay, i'm used to print journalism uh <laughs> in the words of egon print is dead i'm just kidding as i as i work on a book <laughs> he says i'm working on we're both working on books that's true yeah um send us emails let us know i mean are, are do you yeah. what, what do you see of your experiences does this resonate is this uh um, are, are you, are you caught up in it yourself? Do you, do you, have you realized or had conversations with your kids about this? Well, um, cause I think that's the other thing I sometimes like we, the, the, the expectation that we have for kid for our teenagers, so, we underestimate teenagers so much. We just, yeah, absolutely. you know, and I think that sometimes we think that they're capable of doing the academic stuff. But then don't, we're afraid to bring up the emotional stuff because teenagers can be emotional. They can be even, I'll say, over-emotional by their nature. I mean, that's the nature of the hormones and the change in yeah. puberty. And that's what they're learning is, is you know, they, they, they take breaking up so hard because that's the first time they've ever experienced. They don't have the experience of being jaded or all this other things. It's, it's, it's their first experience with it. So... Yes, teens can occasionally be over emotional. However, it's essential that they that they're included in the conversation. I think sometimes they're not. You know, I think sometimes yeah. there's lots of decisions being made about them for them, pathways being kind of delineated where they're having cursory involvement in that plotting, and yet they're they have all the expectation and pressure with the performance when they're not engaged or invested in the end goal the same way, which is the main difference between the accomplishment and the achievement that Gopik talks about in his article. Yeah. And I think that's because we very often, we refer to them sometimes as young adults. So they're not adults, they're teens. And we need to Mm -hmm. accept that. And in Jean's book, she talks, especially in iGen in particular, talks a lot about how they're doing everything later. So when it comes to some of that maturity piece, because they're so smart, they great achievement. We see all this. We yep. kind of equate that with, well, it's like an adult or that their brain is working like ours does. It can't yeah, it work that not. way. It, the biology is just not there. They are far more uh, hormonal and emotional. The brain chemistry is simply different. The brain is not fully developed until about 25. And yet we look at a 17-year-old and wonder why they made a dumb decision and they get frustrated mm-hmm. with them because they've derailed their entire college plans. They can't plan more than about a day and a half in advance when it comes you wanna, down to You want to know one of my great re, uh, great uh, self-containments uh, or self-checks I've had recently. Um, uh, Stanley is the world's messiest eater. Floyd is the world's neatest eater. Floyd takes tiny little scoops from one side to the bowl to the other side, eats a quarter to a half to three quarters. I mean, it's like a science experiment. It (laughs) freaks me out. I don't know where the heck he learned how to do that or why he does that, but he does everything that way, particularly yogurt. Stanley shovels as much in and as fast. But mostly 
he, he there's extra everywhere. It's on the table, it's on the shirt, and it's like, okay, eat over the plate. But refraining myself from trying to keep the mess, you know, I guess within the kitchen or, I mean, within the dining room. <laughs> but it's like, it's hard to watch him make a mess and know that it's going to be messy and at the same time not want to give him a complex about it you know and, and the truth right. is i make a mess you know yogurt's falling off of my spoon onto the table nobody's standing over me you know make sure you you know just lighten up yeah. i just so I, that's been my own refrain to give him some space you know have some extra napkins there but uh, and I think that's a good example, uh, Don, because what's great about, you know, what we've got in this podcast is I've got two kids in college. You've got two kids who are starting down this in, whole path. In kindergarten. Right. And they're different. You know, you've yep. got twins who are different. I've got two kids who yes. are different. And we do have this cookie cutter approach that the same thing is good for everybody. And I, I plead mm. with parents to, you know, find the college that fits your kid. Don't try to make your kid fit a particular college and maybe mm -hmm. college isn't their thing. Uh, maybe they need to follow a different path. Maybe they'll come back to college later, et cetera. But we've lost this idea of I'm going to find the, the groove that works for me because I have different needs, because different habits. My brain works differently, et cetera. Yeah, well, when I when I went to my teaching program at San uh, San Marcos was brand new with the teaching for the secondary school, so also a brand new university. It was nine hundred and forty dollars for the semester for a, a unit or a, a, a credit, um, and it's 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 ten times that now. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just it's unbelievable. So mistakes or space or it all seems more costly you know back when your dad was going to you it was like 20 bucks a, a credit or yeah whatever. It, it was it, crazy what he's he always felt guilty it was nothing yeah he always yeah. felt really guilty when you talked to me about it but it's the same with rent i mean yeah i rented a studio i had a rental a duplex in the studio when i bought it in 19 in 2002 it was 450 dollars for the studio and it stayed 450 dollars for about seven years then it I raised it two fifty. Then it was doubled. That was at today. It's two twenty five hundred. Yeah, it's five times the cost. And see, this you is know, exactly the point of the economic pressure yeah. that has been yes. driving all of this. That you know, so our parents are no listening. There is no time to go surf and right. find yourself. There is no time to go. You know, a, a, unless a kid is resilient and knows that they have a skill. Maybe they're a YouTube editor or a social media manager, or maybe they have some. Uh, a personal interest that they know how to make a, a, a subsidy, you know, not that they're going to go buy a brand new car, but that they can make a living and have experiences without the, 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 the need to just sit and play video games due to anxiety, you know, and, and live in the basement right. and avoid all contact and not want to go to any family functions because someone's going to ask them what they're doing with their life and I, they're 23 years old. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm staring down the barrel of that economic uh, fear right now. You know, my son's a senior. He's got to figure out what yep. he's doing next. Have I set him up for success? Have I given him the opportunities I have? I'm going through all of that stress. And, mm -hmm. you know, he was a, a pandemic student and had to, you know, stepped away from a semester because the distance learning was brutal. 
And, you know, so now I'm, I'm feeling all of that guilt. Like, did I give him enough? Did I get him set up? What's he going to do next? He doesn't want to go to grad school, even though I tried to talk him into it and didn't follow my own advice. He doesn't want to go. So I'm finally like, great, you don't want to go to grad school, let, you know, do your thing. And I, I'm feeling all of that, that pressure and trying to manage that. So I, I you know, I understand the, the fear parents have about this, but I think what's important is to kids are going to be happier and healthier if they're doing something that's going to give them that sense of accomplishment. If they've just followed a script for achievement for that bottom line number to make X number mm-hmm. of dollars a year, that same, if that isn't a sense of accomplishment for that kid, fantastic, but it isn't for everybody. And being able to read that in our kids is important. And it- Go ahead. And I also, well, I, I, when you're talking, things come to mind. I went to a very private, small liberal arts school, 96% graduation rate. I went yeah. to state to take some classes in order for to get my teaching credential. Uh, and I saw there, it was like 80% of people don't graduate after five years. Yeah. You know, I mean, just because you get in doesn't mean you get out. Well, we right? know the dirty secret of, uh, of college is that only 44% of students graduate. Yeah, this is the thing. So people that even when they check all the boxes and do all this stuff, again, if there's no connection to what they're doing, exactly, or a they sense don't know why of, they're there, you, you must do this thing. They're, they're, they're going to crack emotionally, yes. you know, and, and, and of course we know about the, 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 God forbid the teen suicides and all of the, and, and it doesn't even have to be that far. I know the number of kids that came back my last 10 years of teaching compared to my first 15, the number of kids that came back after a semester, or after a quarter and were back at home and needed to restart. They were going to go to Miracosta and live at home because it was just too much. And the too much wasn't that they were partying too hard. It was just that they couldn't function on their own. And that, that, that the, the, the pressure or fear of the classwork or the expectation outside of them overwhelmed their ability to function. Yeah. And uh, it's a little gloom and doom uh, on this uh, part of it right now. And I want to offer some hope. But it's because real. It is, it is real, but I, I, we want to give everybody some solutions. That, that's part of why we're here. Yep. And in her book, uh, Wallace talks about one of the, the great tools that uh, has shown through data, and we've all seen it as well, is community, um, community service. So when mm-hmm. students uh, find a way to give back and not just to put it on their transcript that they worked at a food kitchen for a week or something like that, but truly right. doing something that gives them a sense of accomplishment where they're giving back in the community, it is shown to work wonders in terms of giving them a sense of accomplishment, confidence, and be more motivated to do the things we want them to do. And that's be successful uh, in school, in college, whatever it might be. And so I've really... Uh, struggled with this at at Tory and how to work out this sense of community because it is so competitive you've got kids who were just grinding to try to get in and and harassing each other through social media about i got into such and such school and you didn't and and really bullying Mm. each other over this and how to break that and trying to change our culture to find these moments where they can give back to their their collective their community that's been the, the trick of the work that I'm, I think I'm going to start focusing on over the next few years because this, this, what she talked about in terms of the, the, the giving back to the community, 
uh, is just so important and was really uh, profoundly affecting for me when I read it. We had the district uh, used to have a community service program that was sponsored by the district and teachers. It was an inter-district collective. Kathy Strait, the librarian, was the the chairwoman of it. Um, Some schools require it it as a as a segment of uh, part of graduation. This was a thing that the the schools were starting to require forty hours of community service, but legitimate, you know. And of course, how do you verify that? Right. But the thing that's interesting, and I just lost my thought. Um, oh, my great, uh, my great uh, one. Uh, one of the cool things about working um, as a kind of a, so, I created a lot of classes like the academic survival program, and I was able to do different, um, create different uh, uh, curriculum that was always real world based, like. Once I started traveling a lot, one of the ways I had kids learn about the computer was to create a travel um, a a, a trip, you know, where they had to find restaurants and book a plane and they had to book the and this was back 20 years ago before uh, Expedia and before you could just click a button and have somebody do it all for you. But I also had an assignment on um, on death and planning and, and all of the the logistics of getting birth certificates and funeral and uh, you know and it, yes moreau are dark but reality no mm-hmm. one's getting out alive right but the one the one frustration i had that i never got off the ground was i wanted to have uh, and i created it so that kids could do it in lieu of a book where they would go to a nursing home and get the story of an elderly person who was in the home and 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 photos and create a photo uh, um, a PowerPoint assignment with photos and stories of this person's life, with the hope of um, creating a connection, you know, between the 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 teenager and uh, the, the the seniors. Yeah. And I, I, I it never took off, and then I left the school, and it changed. But one of the cool things that Tory Pines did have was polished with a purpose. And that was uh, the group of, of, it was mostly girls that would go to um, uh, senior care centers and do the nails of the women. Yeah. And I thought that was the greatest. And and every girl that was in it would tell me how much th- they loved the people they did it with and how much they loved when the teens came in. You know, I mean, there's nothing like young energy to get uh, seniors excited. Yeah, my dad, when he was 75, was doing this thing called script in hand. And so it would be uh, like five or six people because he was a uh, um, uh, frustrated actor, always wanted to be an actor, mm-hmm. which is why he probably became a trial attorney. Uh, but uh, he, so they would go around to, you know, hospitals and retirement homes and they would perform uh, these little mini plays with the script in their hand. Yes. They didn't have to memorize it. They would just perform, and you know, it was a live performance with these, you know, frustrated actors. But he was doing it in his seventies. It was fantastic. And, and how awesome! And and you know what? People that sit around all day and don't leave those senior centers are really interested to watch anything, right? I mean, yeah. anything different or new, especially something that happens regularly. Yeah. You know, if it's every Monday, this thing happens and it doesn't have to be every day, but, um, and it just changes, it changes the people that do it just as much as it changes the people that enjoy it because they're both doing it. Right. Right. And it's, um, it's just a reminder for us all that to make our homes, uh, a haven, 
rather than a Pressure pit stop, cooker? you know? Yeah. Like, um, I've noticed that sometimes my house can be that, uh, pit stop where you're just getting in, you're rotating the tires, you're getting a little fuel and then you're out to do it again. And it, it needs to be more of a haven where we can come in and feel like someone's happy to see me. Uh, mm-hmm. and cause as we know, too many kids don't have that. They just don't, mm-hmm. you know, they come home to either an empty house or a house with a lot of problems. And yep. if we are fortunate enough to have the means, uh, let's make sure that when our kids get home, we're valuing them and mattering them and not focused on we're one step closer to beating out Johnny down the street for a spot at Harvard. Uh, because mm-hmm. that is, is, is proving to have a hugely negative impact on our kids. And we have full control over this. We as parents have mm-hmm. full control over this. We can read our kids. We know how they respond. We just need to be more aware. It feels like the right thing to do sometimes to push them. And sometimes it is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but knowing when to put your foot on the gas pedal and when to take it off is, is a critical component of parenting. I like the idea of uh, the home being a safe harbor. Uh, and with the understanding, a, a ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are built for. Yeah, they're right? built to I mean, go ships out are and travel. Built it's to a go great out point. To sea, but yeah. when they come home or come back, they need a place to get refueled and uh, recharged. And But it needs to be more than that pit stop. It needs to be more like, mm-hmm. okay, let's grab your backpack and your soccer cleats and let's get back out. And I know you're you're in that grind right now. I mean, part of the reason we started doing our podcast virtually is because between <laughs> your schedule and my schedule is absurd. <laughs> and they're in well, 15 different activities. I'm already wagging my finger at you. I'm like, where is their downtime play, Donald? Where is their downtime play? Hey, they're, they are Lego and train uh, geniuses. Um, but we did sign them up for both the first and second uh, soccer camp. So because they asked for it and, uh, and, uh, but I had, you know, I, I walking, you know, walking back to school, I think to myself that seventh and eighth day, you know, after se- with, there's a four day camp and then a second four day camp, how engaged are they going to be day seven, day eight? And right. how, how much am I going to make a deal about you got to finish what you started and all that stuff? That's um, important too. That is critical though. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. If they've asked to sign up and even they, if you've signed them up, they still need to finish yep. something. And if they hate it, great. Hating yeah. something is a good part of life as well. Like not having to grind through something you didn't want to do makes you stronger. Yep. You don't do it again, but y- right. you, you've still got to get through this. We don't always get to just do what we want all the time. Mm-hmm. And they love it. So yeah, I'm excited. So parents, I hope you got something out of this a little bit. I know the the college pressure piece is incredibly difficult. I went through it myself. I've uh, had some successes and made some mistakes with it. Um, uh, and But I think if you're looking for more information on this, by all means, uh, pick up Jennifer Wallace's book. Uh, it's called Never Enough. Never Enough. Um, uh, and check it out because I think it will be um, uh, really, really helpful. It was really interesting to go through it for this episode. And, uh, she also has a podcaster is, is on podcast. So after you listen to ours, Google hers, go check out hers. And don't forget, as Don said, please send us an email. If you've got a question, comment, want to give us some feedback, we're at best for kids podcast, gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to have um, you a part of the conversation. The greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. Carl Young.
Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. That's all for today's episode. If you found our conversation thought-provoking and want to know more, you can find resources and guest photos on Instagram at Best for Kids Podcast. If you'd like to join the conversation, please email us at bestforkidspodcast at gmail.com. And to help us keep this conversation going, please rate and subscribe in your podcast app of choice. But more importantly, we hope you stay curious and keep asking, what's, what's best, best for kids? kids?